0: Well, good morning, good to see everybody this morning, I'm excited about what the Lord has for us in our passage this morning, it's great stuff, start to finish. As we get started, I want you to consider uh, something I think is true for all of us. I think we all understand the importance of protecting things that are valuable to us, right? In fact, the more valuable it is, probably the greater links that we go to to protect it. Now, I don't know about you, but in our house we have a junk drawer. Anybody have a junk drawer? Okay. Inside that junk drawer is all kinds of trinkets, leftover party favors, lots of loose change. It's not really secure. It's just a drawer. Because nothing inside of there is very valuable, right? But let's just say that I did have something valuable. Let's say maybe there was a a piece of jewelry, a wedding ring from a great-grandmother or a rare coin collection. Would I put those things inside the junk drawer? Of course not. They're too valuable for that. So what I'd probably do is go to the bank and get a safety deposit box so that I can put those valuable things inside the bank, protected behind the, the vault doors of that bank where they have all kinds of security that I don't have in my own home. Right? Now, let's take it a step further. How many of you ever heard of Fort Knox? I heard of Fort Knox? You know what's at Fort Knox? There's probably a lot of things at Fort Knox, but one of the main things that's there is gold. Gold bars. 400,000 of those gold bars, to be exact. And each of those gold bars is about 7 inches long, about 3 inches wide, and about 2 inches thick. Any idea how much one gold bar weighs? About 30 pounds. One bar is about 30 pounds. So, at the going rate of about thirteen dollars to $100 an ounce, The gold at Fort Knox is worth over $250 billion. That's a lot. So with that kind of value hidden inside of Fort Knox, what kind of measures do you think they go through to protect it? Quite a bit. In fact, they have thousands of soldiers, armed guards, that are around the perimeter of Fort Knox. There's all kinds of security cameras and even a minefield. That protects. There are no visitors allowed into Fort Knox. It is a completely secure facility. The walls are made out of granite and concrete and reinforced steel. The vault door is a blast-proof door that just by itself weighs 22 tons. Can you imagine? That massive protection of that facility is due to the value of the gold that's hidden inside there. The greater the value, the more the protection. But did you know that you actually could possess something more valuable than all that gold? You could have something hidden inside your heart that ultimately is more valuable than all that gold. In our passage this morning, the Father tells His Son, guard your treasure, for it is your life. We can even see in the New Testament where Paul tells Timothy, make sure you guard the treasure entrusted to you. You see, you've been given a treasure. It's a treasure that's been passed down from generation to generation. And it's actually a treasure that your enemy wants to take from you. But He cannot take that treasure as long as it's protected behind the stronghold of your personal convictions. And I can assure you that the more you understand the value of this treasure, the greater the links you will go to to protect it. And that's the heart of what our passage is going to walk us through this morning. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer before we look at it together. Father, we uh, probably uh, rarely appreciate the significance of the treasure that you have given us. And so I pray in some small way this morning for each and every one of us, there is some greater appreciation for the significance of the gift given to each of us, passed down from generation to generation, that ultimately finds its source in you, May we appreciate the value of that treasure and in that may we be motivated to protect our heart where that treasure is stored for your glory, for your purposes. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So if you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. We'll pick up where we left off last. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. It's a great passage. I'm excited about this. So let's begin in uh, verse 1. He says, The Father, again, speaking to His Son, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son of, in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words keep my commandments and live acquire wisdom acquire understanding do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth do not forsake her and she will guard you love her and she will watch over you the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom and with all acquiring get understanding prize her she will exalt you she will honor you if you embrace her she will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. As you listen to these verses, the, the words of this father to his son, you kind of get a sense of urgency. And if you were to go back from the very beginning and follow where we've gone so far, I think you would see that there's just kind of an increasing sense of urgency of this father to his son. In this passage, he tells him, listen, give me your attention. Don't walk away from my instruction. I kind of picture this dad going up to his son, and maybe Cade, like your dad, has done for you before, puts his hands on his shoulder says, Cade, look in my eyes. I don't want you to miss this. It's really, really important. And that's the idea I see this father having, this conversation with his son. It's that important. And one of the reasons it's important because he's telling him something that his father had once told him. He's telling his son something that would pass down to his father. We see that in verse 3. When I was a son to my father, this is what he told me. See, over the years, this father has taken what his father had told him, applied it to his life, and found that it's true. He's learned from personal experience that what was given to him by his father was a treasure. And now he wants to take that treasure and pass it down to his son. What Solomon is describing here is a legacy of faith. A treasure of hope in God that is passed down from one generation to the next. From fathers and mothers to their children. And let's be clear here. This is a transaction that is to take place primarily in the home. It's not the responsibility of the church. It's not the responsibility of the pastor. It's ultimately the responsibility of the parents. You and I have been given the primary responsibility of being the faith trainers in our home. And apparently you agree with this. The reason I know that's the case is because there were 44 families who filled out that parenting survey that we asked you to fill out. It's a great number. And in that survey, over 90% of you, uh, close to 95% of you said that you agree with the statement that the primary responsibility for discipleship is in the home. So good for you, because that's right on target. And I'm so encouraged to hear that. But like the Father in our passage, we can only teach our kids that which we have known personally to be true. Remember, the father heard it from his father. He then applied that to his life. And that's how he became convinced that it is true. So, in our home, we should be speaking that truth to our kids. But, perhaps more importantly, they need to see it lived out in our lives. Why? Because that's how they know that we really believe that it's true. When we put our life in that truth. So speak those words, but perhaps more importantly, live that life. That's why I encourage you to have that conversation around the dinner table, and I hope you did this last week, to talk about a story of God's faithfulness in your life. Uh, We did that with Grant, and Graham had a great story telling them really the miracle of how God put our family together. Just had a wonderful conversation, and as we talked about that, it reminded me of the value of, of telling the story of how the things that we see in Scripture are lived out in reality, in in practical ways in our lives. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're here. And and I'm so grateful for how well you listen on Sunday mornings. (laughs) And I see it, (laughs) and I appreciate it. But I want you to know that more important than what you hear on Sunday morning is what you do with it after you leave this place. It's great to hear the truth of God's Word, and you should be encouraged by it. But more importantly, you should be changed by it. You should take these things and apply them to your life. Because what's important as you raise your kids is for them to see what difference those truths have made in your life. What kind of change is taking place? I think maybe that's the reason for some of the urgency in our passage. See, the father understands that this truth only becomes a treasure to his son when his son makes the decision to apply it to his life. You see, parents can't make that decision for their kids. As much as we want to, that's ultimately their decision. That's why in verse 7 he says, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. It sounds kind of an odd statement, doesn't it? But I think his point here is, the first step in gaining wisdom is desiring to have it in the first place. You've got to want it in order to receive it. A need has to precede belief. And so the Father really goes to great lengths in this passage to, to impress that need upon His Son. He says in verse 6, He talks about how wisdom will guard your life. how you, If you love her, she'll watch over you. In verse 9, He says, If you prize her, she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. In other words, wisdom has a reward for those who seek her. And that reward is a life That is changed. When that wisdom, that truth is applied. When we learn firsthand about the faithfulness of God. We tell that story to our kids because it has impacted us enough to repeat it. But on the flip side, the Father will also explain the consequences of turning away from that wisdom. Because that is an option. And he goes on to talk about that in verse 10. Read there with me. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. If you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of my instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they do evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter. Until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. The father understands that the son ultimately has a choice to make. And he describes that decision to his son with a a picture of two paths. Up to this point, according to verse 11, the father says that I have guided you down the right path. I have shown you the right way. But now he explains to his son that there's actually another path. That there is another option. And he wants him to know about that. He says in verse 14 that it's a a path of the wicked. And he tells his son not to even toy with the idea of going down that path. Listen to what he says. Do not enter that path. Do not proceed the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass it by. Turn away. Do you get the sense that he wants his son to understand? Don't even give it a second thought. Because he describes the fact that, that these people who are on this path cannot sleep unless they do evil. Now let me pause here. And let me please have the attention of the children and students. Like we said in the beginning, look at my eyes. This is really, really important. Because this is a path that I can assure you, your friends will invite you to go down with them. There is no question in my mind that throughout your life, you're going to have many invitations from people who invite you to go down this path. And it's going to be exciting. (laughs) They're going to tell you about all the good things that are down this path. all, All the pleasure, all the fun that you can have by going down this path. But I want you to know as this Father wants His Son to understand that this path is an unfulfilled life of sin. It's the pursuit of what will turn out to be empty promises. It may sound like a satisfying life and it wouldn't be appealing if it didn't. (laughs) But it will leave you feeling empty. This is where the only way you win is ultimately by making someone else lose. Okay? I want you to think about being in a race. And if I were going to race Cade, okay? Cade's faster than I am, I can assure you. And if I'm going to race Cade, I'm going to employ some tactics to try to beat him. right? And one of the tactics that I may be able to do is say, Okay, Cade, we're going to get ready here. You're on your mark. You said, Oh, look at that! <laughs> hoping that he'll look that way so that I can take off and distract him enough to get ahead. Or, if, if I have to, I'll trip him. I'll make him stumble. I'll do whatever it takes if I'm going to try to win that race. Well, that's ultimately what this path looks like. You can only win by making someone else lose. Everyone is hungry for, for success, for popularity. Dating the right girl or the right guy. Having the right car. Living in the right house. Getting the right grades. Being on the right team. But in order for you to win, you've got to make someone else lose. And no wonder they can't sleep. Because their treasure is never secure. Do you understand that? The treasure's never secure. You're just kind of tossing it around from from one person to the next. What you seek never satisfies. What promises to bring you pleasure ultimately will bring you pain. Verse 18 says that the way of wisdom is different. That the path of the righteous, and what, what a beautiful picture here, it says, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Now let me ask you this. When you see the rays of light coming up in the morning over the horizon, okay, and I realize that most of you are going to have to use your imagination because you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is really early. okay? It's the rays of light that come up on the horizon. When you see that light, where is it coming from? It's the sun. Now, have you ever been worried? Have you ever sat there anxiously, seeing that light, hoping... I hope the sun doesn't get stuck. Have you ever thought that? No. You sit there and you watch and wonder as day after day after day, the sun rises as that light precedes it and gets brighter and brighter. Why are you not anxious? Because you know who's in control. That's God's job. He makes the sun rise. And He is faithful. You see, the wicked struggle because they stumble in the darkness. They don't know their way. They're trying to find their way. They're depending on themselves and they can't see anything. But the righteous walk by the the light of the sun. Their security is based in God's faithfulness. Which is as sure and certain as the sunrise in the morning. It lights a path that shines brighter and brighter as the day progresses. Until it ultimately displays the fullness of the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of His nature. The one who upholds the entire universe by the word of power. Jesus said, I am am the light of the world. He who follows Me, listen, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I think that's ultimately what the Father is telling His Son. Look again at verse 11. He says, I've directed you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in an upright path. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction and do not let go. Why? Guard her, for she is your life. The path of wisdom ultimately leads you to the person of Christ. That is your life. And the security of your salvation is in His hands. And He is faithful. He gives you the gift of eternal life, a treasure that no one can take away. In fact, I think that's why Paul says when he writes in Philippians, he says, For I am confident of this very thing. In other words, I am as certain as the sunrise in the morning that He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. But remember, the Father is telling His Son, you've got a choice. There are only two paths. And you, you, son, have to decide for yourself which one you're going to take. My Father guided me just as I am guiding you. And I can tell you from my own experience that what they say is true when applied to your life becomes a conviction that you know is good and right. But you've got to make that decision for yourself you will have plenty of opportunities in life to choose a different way. Plenty of invitations to go a different way. But if, you, if your choice does not lead you closer to Jesus Christ, you are on the wrong path. Did you hear what I just said? If your choice does not lead you closer into a fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going the wrong path way every day every day we all not just children and students we all face the choice and so as this father says to his son let me encourage you choose wisely because any choice that you make that does not lead you closer to christ is the wrong way choose wisely now look at verse 20 My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And health to all their, their whole body. For watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you deceitful mouth and put... Uh, your devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Do not let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. or end. let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. I want you to notice how we've progressed in our passage. How we began with this treasure that is passed down from one generation to another how there is this influence of evil that would want to rob that treasure from you and now he's speaking to his son real candidly about the choice that he has to make i think this is where the father explains to the son that that the treasure that he has been given must be protected by the stronghold of his own personal convictions in other words he's telling his son son your faith has to become your own. You've got to make this decision for yourself. He's trying to, to impress upon His Son the value of this treasure. That it shouldn't be guarded with just some half-hearted effort. Think about Fort Knox here. Okay, R- Remember the great links that they went to and why did they do that? Because of the, the tremendous value of that treasure that was hidden inside. The Father is trying to help His Son understand that this is equally true for you. The treasure hidden in your heart is of tremendous value. Our hope of God is hidden inside our heart and we must guard it behind the stronghold of our personal convictions he says in verse 23 watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow springs of life you see your heart is the the seat of your intentions your emotions your thoughts it's kind of like the control center for everything for your eyes for your mouth for your ears for your feet You see all that listed in our passage. Look at verse 25. It says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Verse 24, put away your deceitful mouth. Verse 20, incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 26, watch the path of your feet. The point is this. If you let your eyes wander to look at the wrong things, lustful thoughts, coveting what someone else has, you don't have an eye problem. You have a heart problem. If you let your mouth say the wrong things, things that are hurtful, things that are obscene, you don't have a speech problem. You have a heart problem. When you find yourself sitting here Sunday after Sunday, hearing God's word but doing nothing with it, you don't have a hearing problem. You have a heart problem. That's why guarding your heart is so important. Because what you believe in your heart directs the decisions of your life. And it's really important to understand that that guarding your heart is not simply a matter of keeping bad things out. Okay? Following Jesus is not about just not sinning. It's about springs of life that flow from within you. That's what our passage is telling us. In fact, Jesus echoes those very same words. He says... Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but will give him, but but the water I will give him, now listen to this, will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. You see, when you put your faith in Christ, God said that He gives you a new heart. He takes away that hard heart of stone and gives you a soft heart of flesh, a heart that springs forth with the the springs of living water, a heart that is transformed by God's truth, a heart that is strengthened by God's Word. And so I want you to listen to this. I think the best way for you to protect your heart is not just by keeping bad things out. I think more importantly, is by putting good things in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Perhaps more important than working so hard to keep good things or bad things out is working even harder to put good things in. See, your heart is guarded by the stronghold of your convictions, what you know to be true. What you've heard, what you've applied to your life, and what you've become convinced is good and right. And when you want to guard your heart... It's a matter of putting those things in there. Think of each one of those truths like another soldier that stands armed and guarded and ready to protect you. So it's a matter of putting good things in, not just keeping bad things out. Don't miss this point. Having a new heart through faith in Christ changes everything. It changes everything, including what you do with your eyes what you say with your lips, where you go with your feet. And it all flows from your heart. That's the reason for the urgency. Verse 20 says, Give attention to My words. Incline your ear to My sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life for those who find them. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow springs of life. Because the invitations are going to keep coming throughout your entire life to choose a different path. But the more you build the stronghold of convictions around your heart, the more likely you are to choose the right path. Because you know what is good and right and true as we finish up this morning, I want us to all ask ourselves, are we guarding our heart? Are we guarding our heart? And does the diligence of your protection match the value of the treasure? Does the diligence of your protection match the value of the treasure? In other words, does it look like Fort Knox or the junk drawer? You know, I think we often reduce uh, the goal of the Christian life down to the discipline of saying no to temptation. When I think really, more importantly, is the, the ability to say yes to convictions. Yes to what is true. Yes to what is good and right. It's about building that stronghold of what you've heard and applied to your life. Drinking deeply from that well of water that springs up to eternal life that God has promised to place within you when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the treasure that's hidden in your life. And that treasure has eternal value. That's why Jesus says this parable. Now listen, because I want you to look at it through the, the eyes, the lens of the passage that we just read. You'll remember it. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and then covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to what? Buy that field. Why? Because he understands the value of that treasure. Is that how you feel about your treasure? Would you abandon academic success, athletic achievement, career advancement, popularity, financial security, in order to protect your treasure? Would you sell everything? Would you be sold out for the treasure of the faith that you have in Jesus Christ and that well of eternal life that springs up within you? See, we spend a lot of time pursuing, even teaching our kids to pursue, what life, what success and happiness looks like this side of heaven. (laughs) But what does it profit a man to gain everything this world has to offer and yet not leverage his life for the sake of the kingdom? To live and invest themselves in things of eternal value, to sell everything. To buy that field. So let me encourage you to have another conversation this week. Okay? I want you to put this question on the table, literally, when you're having dinner. Okay? With family or friends, when you're gathered together, here's your question: write it down. What can we do to make a kingdom impact with our lives? That's your question. What can we do to make a kingdom impact in our lives? How can we invest ourselves? In what ways? Can we invest ourselves in things that have eternal value? Talk about that. What does it look like? Help your kids, help your friends as you come together understand what it means to take that truth and apply it to your life. Consider how you pass that down from one generation to another. How are you going to tell your friends at school? Parents, how are you going to tell your kids? Grandparents, how are you going to tell your grandkids? Neighbors, how are you going to tell your neighbor? (laughs) Okay, You have a treasure. It makes Fort Knox look like a pile of pennies. And so what are you doing to guard your heart where that treasure is hidden? I'm going to close with um, Psalm 145. I want you to just close your eyes and listen. Because this is a psalm that I believe beautifully describes your treasure. So listen to these words very carefully. Understand, be reminded, this is what is in your heart. And when you leave this place, commit yourself to guard it. Okay? Let's bow our heads and listen as I read Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And your greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate Men shall speak of the power of Your awesome acts, and I will tell of Your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of Your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of Your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. All Your works shall give thanks to You, O Lord and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory, of your kingdom, and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raise up all those who are bowed down the eyes of all who look to You. And You give them their food in due time. You open Your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him And He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love Him. But all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And all flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. That is your treasure. Be diligent to guard your heart where that treasure is hidden not by just saying no to temptation, but saying yes to conviction. Truths that you've heard, applied to your life, and are convinced that they're good and right and true. And may those be a stronghold, a garrison, to guard the treasure of faith hidden inside of you. May you live out of the fullness of the springs of life that flow from your heart through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. Have a great day.